This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Fakalo Fala here too, and welcome to Can You Be More Pacific? I'm Dean Hullatow, and this week I'm joined by the amazing Kennedy Charrington. She's a NRLW superstar, but also a social media um, whirlwind or superpower. I don't know what the words I use for that. But Kennedy, welcome to the show. It's great to have you again. Wow, thank you for the introduction. Hala. Kia ora whanau. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Um, can't wait to get into this week. Well, you're here because um, Sarah is over in Fiji at the moment doing all sorts of government and uh, she's doing a bunch of things. She's just all over the place, Sarah. She's a multimedia personality hosting. She's hosting something, but we miss you, Sarah. Anyone over in Fiji, if you bump into us, say hello and um, tell her that you're listening into us this week. We've got plenty to get through in the next hour, including a look back at the weekend in sport. We chat with Chance Nickel Clookstar. We've got a new question for you. Can ask that. Now, Kennedy, the NRW kicked off a few weeks ago. How's yep. things going with yourself and the, the Parameter Eels? Yeah, pretty good um, for me personally. First game back from injury, round one. Um, had a really good uh, game coming off the bench, made team of the week. So it was a pretty good week. Um, and then transitioning to week two, um, I seen my team have a really, uh, I guess, big improvement from week one to week two. Still chasing our first win, but like two other teams were also chasing their first win. So I think round three is going to be really interesting and is going to change uh, some of the tables. Yeah, the table. I, I, yeah, I agree. It's good to see you back on the field. Good to, you got, got through that injury last time that we had you on the show. You were in rehab, so you've managed to get through that and you're um, fighting fit and playing. Now, our top story for this week, uh, there's going to be a super fest or a, a footy fest, I should say, up at uh, Lang Park up in Brisbane uh, in week three of the NRL finals, which is week one of the NRLW finals. And uh, there's there's plenty going on uh, for that week. Yeah, there's three NRLW games and two Prime Minister 13 games. So a lot to look forward to, a lot of excitement with footy. And I know that Queensland crowd's pretty cool to play um, surrounding you. So I think with World Cup coming up, especially for Australia, it's a good selection pool to go into World Cup with the uh, Jillaroos and the Kangaroos. And I know the squads get confirmed the day after the grand final, which is October 3rd. Yeah, well, it's going to be, um, as you said, it's a, it's a big big day, four games all in one day. So the two NRLW finals and then uh, those uh, yeah, Prime Ministers 13. So as you say, they're going to, it'll be made up of um, guys and girls from the teams that aren't in the final series at that point. So they'll get to, a chance to represent and, as you say, push for a selection in the um, the Kangaroos and Jillaroos for that World Cup, which will be uh, awesome. So looking forward to, to that. Maybe we can get up there and, and cover it, Nelly. I'm not too sure. Just if anyone's listening upstairs, send us up to uh, make sure we cover that <laughs> footy fest. Now, AFLW had their kickoff on the weekend, round one, and Carlton took on Collingwood. Unfortunately for Carlton, the score was 5-6-36 to Collingwood, Carlton 3-0-18. But it was great to see Mula Luifi back on the field, and uh, we'll keep track of how things go for her and the Carlton team across the season. Now, also, another player that we like to keep an eye on was Jesse Wardlaw, Wardlaw I should say, for the Brisbane Lions. We've, we've chatted to Jesse before. Uh, she had nine disposals, four marks, one tackle and two goals. And the Lions got up 11-10-76 to the Dockers, uh, 4-3-27. So a really impressive performance uh, by the Brisbane Lions and Jesse. Now over to the Rugby Sevens, Kennedy. LA Sevens just finished up. This was the last leg of the HSBC World Series. Uh, Fiji ended up being defeated by a strong New Zealand side. Close game, Hala. 26-28. I actually watched the game. Very close. It was try for try. And it was just... 
basically down to those last nine seconds as sevens, you know, goes about. It's the, the nature of the game. But there was a lot of excitement in that tournament, you know, uh, New Zealand defeating Samoa, 28-26. New Zealand just looked strong the whole way, and I think they were really chasing that World Series win because it was down to two points between Australia, Fiji, and New Zealand for that World, World Series win. So a lot of excitement for our Polynesian family. Um, thoughts? Yeah, well, uh, obviously um, a, a tight race to get that World Series title and results really dependent on how Australia went and all they needed to do was finish third in the tournament to get the World Series and they were able to do that. So they, they, they took took the bronze against Samoa. They won 21-7, to seven, unfortunately, for the Samoans, um, which meant that Australia secured their first ever uh, World Series Sevens title. So a huge um, achievement for the Australian team. Yeah, actually, this year, Australian men's and women's have both won the 2022 HSBC World Series. So massive for Australia. And I know majority of Australia is also Pacific Islanders, so... Go yeah, us. <laughs> there we go. There's a number, a number of players representing in those teams that are of Pacifica background. So good point, Kennedy. And uh, yeah, it's exciting, the World 7. It's good to see it moving around the world again and um, back to the strength that it was before. Yeah, 100%. Now, Rugby International's turned attention to uh, the 15-a-side game and the Wallaroos took on the Black Ferns once again. Unfortunately for the Wallaroos, they went down 22 to 14, but um, positive signs in their performance. Yeah, massive improvement from their last game against the Black Ferns. Uh, Black Ferns still so elite, so much class, especially with their set piece, their scrums and their lineouts. Wallaroos still chasing that first one against Black Ferns, but um, we can't doubt their performance because they did play awesome. They gave it to them. That, that half time was, I think, where... You know, they put the heat on the Black Ferns and was just like, Black Ferns just had to go to that next level. And I wish we seen the Wallaroos, you know, improve that little bit more. But um, hopefully they can take that momentum into uh, World Cup coming up in 40, 41 days, I think it is. 40 days, don't quote me. But um, I just think they just need to play Sarah. That's just my biased <laughs> opinion. Sarah, name Sarah. We keep asking for it. And yes, it, for, we'll take your word for 41 days until uh, the World Cup. Uh Black Ferns just too strong in, in a lot of the technical areas of the game. Yeah, hundred percent. That just goes to show a team in a full time position compared to a team in you know semi professional part time. So, um, hoping to push for our girls to go full time here in Australia, and hopefully they can be more competitive at that level. Yep, no doubt. Now the rugby championships also continued across the weekend. The Wallabies taking on the Springboks, and they managed to get another win, twenty five to seventeen. They're going all right, the Wallabies at the moment, but. Marita Crombetti, what about his performance? One, the try-saving tackle, but also just the work he does with the ball in hand. Yeah, Wallabies played unreal. They were putting the heat on the Saffirs from the get-go, and Marika's try-saving tackle, um, some people questioned whether there was arms in, but I seen an arm in there, and that was just pure want to get there. He came from the other side of the field. Literally, you see him sprinting to get there. just shows how much want and how much he's willing to work for his team to stop that try. Yeah, I, I, he, hits, he hits him low as well, so it's not like... Illegal. Yeah, he's up, not. Yeah, he's, top. Yeah, it's not a shoulder charge. He just goes in hard and low, and um, yeah, like I was surprised that he just bounced straight up. I thought he's going to hurt himself like really bad here, but I don't he, think the winger was expecting it too. No, like that heavy hit yeah. coming straight for him. There was shock on his face, and uh, a huge performance from Marika. And uh, love watching him play. He's an ex-Tiger, so I've got a soft spot for him, Aww. no doubt. And uh, cute. Yeah. Now 
not so good for the All Blacks. They took on uh, Argentina again, and twenty-five to eighteen, they went down. The um, the screws are tightening on the the All Blacks at the moment because they are having a a pretty wretched international season. Yeah, they're having a tough twenty twenty two season. I watched this game as well, and you know All Blacks are really good at playing catch up footy, but when you're you know behind so many points, you cu- you only have a certain amount of time to um, wind down that clock and get some points on the board. But yeah, Argentina just look too good. They just I just have yeah. I don't know where where I want is anymore. It's just. I don't know whether it's combos or whether it's coaching styles or whether whether it's responsibility on the players to bounce back. And, you know, that's just my opinion because I am a player myself. So it's whether you take that personally and wanting to work left and right for your players and, you know, just dig that little bit deeper because, you know, we're so capable of beating Saffers and Argentina and Wallabies. So I don't know. What's going on with our boys? Uh, I'm not too sure what's, what's going on with the All Blacks. There's a lot of pressure that comes in New Zealand when the All Blacks don't perform. People get right on them, right? Like yeah. just, like they expect the All Blacks to always be at the top, and they have been for such a long period of time. So it's it's hard to be critical of a of a team that's has been the had, best for yeah, years. It's, it's been so good for such a a long period of time, as you say. Um, but when they've had a year where their, their win and loss column is is stacked towards the losses, then um, the pressure is going to come. They've got the you know the the coach and. The squad's got the back end of New Zealand rugby, so they'll be they'll be together going into World Cup. But mm. they need to start putting some, uh, I don't know, some results on the board. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this happened a few weeks, uh, a few years ago too. You know, they were not losing games, but they were struggling to find a win before World Cup, and then won World Cup. So hopefully, the same I don't know repeat pattern comes into this World Cup. Hopefully for the uh, for the All Blacks <laughs> for sure. Now over to rugby league and in the. Uh, QRL, the PNG Hunters managed to get their game back in Port Moresby over in Papua New Guinea, which was awesome. The Mackay Cutters was who they took on, and it was a thriller of a match. They ended up winning 30 points to 28, came down to the last couple of minutes. Now, there's a bit of drama in the lead-up to this match because the Mackay Cutters uh, were a bit um, hesitant to, to make the trip over. Um, and Which they, I completely understand their, their point of argument as well, like the safety for players yeah. and everything like that. But yeah, it came down to that contract. Yeah, so the the QRL um, had done a risk assessment and they deemed it was okay for the team to go over. Um, and they said, uh, they threatened to withdraw their, their license or their participation agreement should they not go over. So pretty like dramatic sort of uh, way to go with this. Um, in the end, the Mackay Cutters ended up um, deciding to, yeah. to go over. And, um, you know, what a wonderful thing for the PNG Hunters who haven't played there since 2019 to be able to get... The game on for one, uh, the Mackay Cutters to, to get there, but then to, to get the result in the fashion they did. They Question. Do you yeah. think the drama off-field did affect the on-field performance? It was a close game. I heard it was a great game, you know, th- two points in it. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, I think you're right. There, there's When there's stuff that happens off the field, it's, it's energy draining. So you know yourself that when you play at the elite level, you have to be on energy-wise. You need to be able to – be clear, like have a clear mind and, and turn up for your performance with a, a really good preparation. There's no doubt that when it's disrupted, you're going to be a little bit off. And if you come up against a team that's 100% on, then you know it, it makes it really hard. The fact that they still scored 28 points and it was a tight game means that they, they didn't pack it in, they didn't give up and they, they fought hard. But um, it may have made or played an impact in their performance, only they would know based on mm. how they review the game. The game came down to the wire. Hunter's front rower Puara scored a try in the 77th minute to bring the scores level. And then King Steiner Padaya converted the try at the 80th minute to win it. So an exciting game. And it was just appropriate that the, you know, PNG got the win after all the drama was off the field. Yeah, know. I agree. I think it's, it's cool that they, they were able to do that in front of their home crowd. And um, again, a bit of excitement for what can come 
in PNG for um, future QRL matches. Now, the NRLW continued on the weekend, round two it was, and some uh, big results, starting with the Roosters defeating the Broncos 28 points to eight. Uh, Roosters tries to Destiny Brill, and Olivia Koenig picked up two, uh, so the Roosters roll on. Now, your match, Kennedy, unfortunately, you went down to the Dragons 16-10. It was a, a really good game, very entertaining, uh, and good to see Gal Broughton cross the stripe for her first try. Marlungi goes left to Kennard, then it goes through hands. Quinlan links up now with Gail Broughton. Broughton to Penatani. She's through a gap again. She's over the 30. Across comes Tonegato. Pass back in field to Broughton. She gets past Ben and she'll score. What a try by Parramatta. Gail Broughton started it. Gail Broughton finishes it. And they nearly fall over into the, into the stands with their celebration. Now... <laughs> the Dragons did win that game. Paige McGregor scored two tries, but um, Kennedy won't let us play any Dragons uh, tries. Yeah, while I'm here, sorry, I'm a bit biased for the Parramatta Eels, but I can't speak bit. highly enough of my team and especially Grail Broaden. Exciting talent. Um, been in the New Zealand pathways with the Sevens for the last 10 years. So seeing her cross code to the NRLW, she's going to offer so much for my team and I'm grateful that she's on mine and not the other side. Tell us about the game, Kennedy. It was, uh, it was a really good game. It was tough. Unfortunately, it went down. It was. It was physical. I don't think anyone was expecting us to come out like we did. We were up halftime uh, 10-8. But unfortunately, you know, you have to play a 70-minute game in um, any game of rugby league. But uh, my team's building. I've got a new spine. No excuses, though. But looking for a round with three win against the Nuts this Sunday. Yes. Well, we'll fingers across that you do get the result. And, you, and your knee's holding up well. You feel strong out in the field? Yes, I'm fit. I'm strong. I'm just, yeah, ready to rip in for my team. Yeah, nice. Now, the last match of the round, uh, the Knights and the Titans took oh, – sorry, the Titans, I should say, hosted the Knights up in uh, the Gold Coast. Uh, the Knights won 16 points to 12. Um, Knights scored tries through Auden Rain stevens Daly, the best name in the NRL. Sorry, she's got a great name, and she's uh, picked up another try on the weekend. Uh, but the Knights going along pretty well after, you know, the, this is their second season. The, the 2021 season was their first uh, entry into the competition. They're having a good season. They've picked up well, and, and they're looking strong. Yeah, I commentated this game. It was exciting. Um, it was good to see some of the actual Knights, oh, Titans boys stay in the crowd and watch the girls. So it was good to see everyone coming together for rugby league. But Autumn Rain, I agree, has got the best name, even to say it, like Autumn Rain, Stevens Daly. It's just the best. Um, you know, she's living from, uh, from NZ, is relocated to New uh, Newcastle as well. So I think Knights took that first season quite personally, not having a win and then coming into the season um, two, two from two. So good on them. Yes, they're traveling it along well. We'll keep an eye on round three as it comes up this weekend. Now, the NRL had round 24, uh, the penultimate round of the regular season. The Storm the storm took on the Roosters uh, at home. The Roosters won 18 to 14, and which was what was probably the most brutal match of um, the season that I've seen so far. There was um, some heavy contact, plenty of fire between the front rowers, and uh, Joey Manu crossed the stripe. He uh, crossed the stripe regularly. He's got a hand in everything, and this is how his try went. Eight metres out from the line, 10 in from touch, southwest corner. Ball played down to Nat Butcher. Comes to the left, Keery, set a field to Radley. Then on to Lodge, but he's cleaned up. Got a pass out of the back barrels. Links up with Walker. Then away to Crichton. Steps in field away from Seve. Keeps it alive to Desco. He goes right to Radley. Radley links up out the back to Keery. They've got numbers. Cross field kick to an unmarked Joey Manu. It sits up on his chest. And Melbourne give up in the end goal. So he improved the position by 10 metres. What a try. The Roosters are totally dominating the Melbourne Storm. This was a brutal match. 
Yeah, that try sounded so exciting. I think it's Andrew's commentating as well, like yes. calling the game. But just so much hype around that game. I think both teams were looking to the, to finish the highest at the end of the regular season. So I uh, can't wait till this last round. Yeah, it was a preview to semifinals for those two. Now, the South Sydney Rabbitohs took on the Cowboys in another top of the table. Well, not top of the table, but a, a high-end match between two teams vying for, uh, you know, top four spots. The Cowboys... Come down with a lot of hope, unfortunately. 20 points to 10, the Rabbitohs got up. Tries to uh, Kaloa Matangi and Alex Johnson, of course, but Kaloa Matangi will play his one because we always hear from Alex Johnson. Goes right to Walker, centre field to Murray to Ilias, then to Kaloa Matangi through a huge gap. Dummies slides over to score the try for South Sydney, carrying the hammer with him. Great footwork by Keon Kaloa Matangi and the Rabbitohs hit back. Bit of controversy at the end of the game. Uh, Cohen Hess... Runs out of the line, puts a shot on Campbell Graham. They have a head clash, and uh, Cohen Hess got um, 10 in the bin. Uh, so it was uh, a bit of a, a rough end of the game for the Cowboys. He got 10 in the bin. Then um, not long later, Cole Felt, um, he obstructed Alex Johnson, who looked certain to score a try or at least get close to scoring a try. So he got 10 in the bin. The Cowboys finished with 11 players. So mm-hmm. tough, tough way to end the game for the Cowboys, but the Rabbitohs flexing a bit of muscle before the finals as well. Now, the final game of the round I'm going to highlight is the Tigers versus the Dragons. Not that this game meant anything for finals contention or for either of his teams. The Tigers uh, are well and truly plugged at the bottom of the, the ladder, unfortunately, which I hate to say. The Dragons won 24-22, to 22, but they won it at the death, and it was uh, a disappointing loss for the Tigers. You watch this game, Kennedy? Yeah, I did. It was after our game. Yeah. Um, I think those type of games, even though it's not contention for finals, it's just pride on the line and playing for your jersey. So I think just Dragons just wanted that more in the last five minutes, and it made a difference and got the two points. Yeah, the last five minutes killed the Tigers. They were ahead. They looked like winning. They gave away a penalty off a short dropout that uh, yeah, was a coach bit of a, killer. A coach killer, yeah, a, a big boo-boo. And then, uh, yeah, the Dragons finished strong, so... Disappointing for my, I sound really deflated when I talk about Tigers. <laughs> anyway, don't forget you can hear every game live on Radio Australia. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? Joining us this week for Talanoa time, we're very lucky to have Charles Nickel Cookstar. He is a fullback from the Canberra Raiders. He's represented New Zealand, the Cook Islands. Uh, he spent some time at the Melbourne Storm, at the Warriors, and uh, it's just really good to have you on board. Thanks for coming on the show, Charles. Thank you for having me. Firstly, I'll, I'll get you to take us back to the start and tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, your, your background, and where you're from. Yeah, so my name's Charles Nickel Cookstar. I was born and raised in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, stayed there till I was about 15 before making my way over to to Melbourne where I played with a local club, Alterna Roosters. Uh, then I was lucky enough to get picked up by the Melbourne Storm for the SG Ball system where I did 18s and 20s before moving to the Warriors, spending four years there. Uh, lucky enough to NRL debut with them um, before making my way over here to the Canberra Raiders where I'm just finishing off um, four years here, so it's it's been a bit of a journey, and I've enjoyed the ups and and the downs because I believe you know from the downs that's where you sort of grow the most. A similar story to me, you know, living away from home when you're younger. Um, did you ever struggle with being homesick or you know just wanting to throw up the footy, like saying that you're done? Because I know in my you know, times stuff does get hard and, you know, sometimes the brain and your thoughts do get, you know, the better of you. Did you ever have those, that, that point of time where you're just like, nah, I'm done, I want to go home? Oh, I've had those moments plenty of times, plenty of times, especially since um, my boys have moved back to New Zealand. It's it's sort of been, you know, do I want to be here? 
Um, and it's sort of, you know, questioning that that doubt in your head, you know, do I want to be here? Yes, I do want to be here because I'm training in the off-season for pre-season. Um, so you're just challenging those those sort of negative moments, I guess, about whether you want to be here or not because there's a lot of evidence, um, you know, showing that you do. You know, I've been doing this since I was, you know, four years old, um, semi-professional from 15 to 20 and professionally from 20 to, to now. So there's a lot of evidence there for me showing that I do want to be here and I do come to training wanting to get the most out of training because I want to be, you know, a better player and, you know, leave, I guess, any jersey that I wear in a better place. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, credit to you, bro. That's awesome. Did that um, play into the move back home? Yeah, it did. It did. You know, with the Warriors being able to go back home now, it's, um, you know, opened up the opportunity to be able to live out my dream as a rugby league player and, you know, be more of a father to my two boys. Um, and although that's that's a massive part of me going home, you know, these are a big part of me wanting to do something at that club as well. I've learned a lot since I've been here at the Canberra Raiders. And for me, it's just about wanting to go do something special there now and take everything that I've learned here for the last four years back home. And um, I guess trying to leave that jersey in a better place. You know, they've had some pretty good fullbacks there. And, um, you know, Rog was there when I was there as well. So, you know, he's he's left that jersey in a better place. And was recent. Uh, I want to do the same. Yeah, it's, it's um, definitely going to be good to see you in the Warriors' colours again. Uh, I guess with your time at the Raiders, we've seen some pretty emotional footage of you over the weekend and some um, nice tributes as you um, played your last home game there um, in Canberra. What was, uh, what are some of the things, I guess, you take away from, from your time at the Raiders? Um, you know, you, you're such an impressive player for them. And, um, yeah, what, what's some of the highlights for, you, for your time in the jersey? Yeah, it was... It was a really big, uh, big week. I think I'm starting to feel the effects of it now. Just feeling a little bit jaded. Um, I guess it's just everything that I've experienced here in terms of not not only the, the ups and downs of footy, but the people that I've been able to meet as well outside of footy. Being able to create friendships that will last forever has been something that I've been forever grateful for. Rugby league, and you know, even people outside. I've made some great, great friends outside of. Uh, the rugby league team here at the Canberra Raiders and you know I've grown great relationships with them and you know it's just I just took all of those things into account and you know sort of not trying to be upset that it's finishing but being happy that it's happened and um, I guess that was a little bit off what you were trying to ask but <laughs> no no that's good <laughs> I that's think good one of the um, yeah I don't know there's, there's a lot of moments here that I'm I'm really grateful for but I think just those um, lifetime friendships, you know, I'll, I'll forever be grateful for rugby league. No, it's, that's definitely something that um, that you should yeah, definitely cherish. So I like that. Now, I mentioned before that you're representing New Zealand in the Cook Islands. And can you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, that opportunity to represent the Cook Islands, uh, first of all, and, you know, what that meant for you to, to represent your, your culture, your heritage? Yeah, it was massive for me. You know, I come out of 20s and... I got the call saying if I was interested in playing for the Cook Islands and, you know, I wanted to grab that opportunity with both hands because growing up, I represented my mum's side, which was the Cook Islands, and my little brother represented, um, I guess, the Auckland Māori, New Zealand Māori side for my old man. So being able to do that internationally was was quite a big milestone for me and it was something that I always cherish forever. I really enjoyed, you know, I think I've done three tests with them um, over the last few years and 
I've been really grateful for every opportunity that I've got to have with them. And um, I guess for the Kiwis, it was a little bit different because they were sort of in sense of show all the time. Like I sort of knew that that's where I would want to be one day. I didn't really, if I'm being honest, I didn't really know Cook Islands had a team. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, to be able to tick that and um, say that I have represented the Cook Islands was special. But there was just something different with the Kiwis. I, I guess it went back to a moment that I had when I was a kid in 2008 when I, um, we were doing some, I can't remember what we were doing, but we just caught the back half of the second half when they um, played Australia and to watch them win. And, you know, I was so proud jumping around and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And I knew that that's where I wanted to be one day. Um, and then to be able to get that call from Madge um, after the 2019 grand final, I uh, just, yeah, it all so felt a bit surreal. I couldn't believe that this was happening. And, you know, for him to say, you know, you'll be playing outside Benji and so Ken, you know, it was a massive moment for me being able to play outside someone that I looked up to growing up and play inside, you know, a friend that I sort of started my professional journey with. So I was, I was pretty lucky and blessed to be able to say that I was, I was able to represent um, both sides of my culture. Yeah, that's um, that's awesome. Um, I love that. That's you kind of remind me like. Uh, oh, I play NRLW, by the way, so I'm not sure whether you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> so like, I feel like uh, I relate to your story, living away from home, and you know, representing yeah. both your culture and where you come from. So for me, I'm you know uh, looking to represent Australia, and I've played for uh, you know the Maori All Stars. So I kind of relate yeah. to you really much. Like, oh yeah, a big fan. Um, I just have one question. Like, do you have any advice for? Any, I guess, young athletes that have moved away from home also? Like, you know, any insight there? Yep. Um, I think that's a big one for me. I've always said to, especially a couple of the young boys that I bump into, just to make sure that they have really good networking around them, whether yep. it's, you know, making really close friends, um, whether it's getting connected with someone here at, at oh, well, in the Raiders, for instance. You know, you got Sia here that's um, able to do that. you got Brownie and... Uh, Bush, and I think it's really establishing that that network around you to help support you, and I guess making sure that you're having regular contact with your family. I think it's really important to make sure that you have that family connection because I've seen a lot of boys come through, and you know they, they it is quite hard for them with being away from family. Uh, so I, I think just having you know creating a I guess a group, a family group on you know Messenger or you know WhatsApp or whatever it is, and just having daily catch-up calls with your mom, with your dad, with your aunties, whoever it is that you, that's really close to you. Because uh, I do the same thing. You know, I try and catch up with my mom and dad, you know, at least once a week or once every two weeks at, at the very least, just to catch up and, you know, see how they're doing. Because at the end of the day, they sort of brought you through and they're going to help you get through a couple of the hard times too. And, um, yeah, I think it, that that's probably the biggest thing for me. Uh, couldn't agree any yeah, anymore. And thank you so much for that insight. Um yeah, <laughs> big fan. <laughs> no, <laughs> Thank no, you. That is really good advice uh, for, for any young athlete if, if they do move away from home, but just in general, good good advice. Now, to finish things off, Charles, we end with a segment we call Tip On, which is just 60 seconds of uh, rapid-fire questions. Are you down Ooh. to play? Yeah, I'm down to play. All right, the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Uh, think like a monk. What, who is your most annoying teammate? Oh, Hudson Young. <laughs> who is your sporting hero? Stacey Jones. Nice. What would be your wrestler entrance song? 
Oh, definitely Goldberg's uh, theme song. Yeah, yeah cool. Who, uh, what was your favourite movie as a kid? Um, Hercules. Who on your team is always on their phone? Xavier Savage. <laughs> uh, what's something you could eat for a month straight? Ooh, butter chicken. Uh, favourite place you've travelled to? Uh, Queenstown. Do you have a hidden talent? No, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, a scale of one to ten, ten being the best, how good are you at keeping secrets? Oh, ten. Uh, conditioning or weights? Weights. Uh, what's the worst job you've ever had? Uh, fish and chips. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> That would have been uh, hard work slugging over it. Well, that wasn't a bad job, too, because you got to eat it and have to deep fried <laughs> Mars bar. So. That's all right. Oh, deep fried Mars bar. <laughs> well, Charles, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thanks very much. Good luck with the rest of the season and also with the move back over to New Zealand. Look forward to, to watching you go around again. Nah, cool, ass. Thanks for having me, team. I appreciate it. Can't wait to see in the Warriors colours. Let's go. Nah, cool, ass. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was Raiders star, Chance Nukuklu star. Um, catch Chance playing his last game for the Raiders this weekend before he heads off to the New Zealand Warriors. Thank you for the chat, Chance. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete. On Can You Be More Pacific? Yes, it's time for You Can Ask That, our favourite part of the segment. Well, it's definitely Sarah's favourite part, and I think Kennedy will adopt it as well. Uh, But it's an opportunity for our listeners to ask a current or a former athlete, the former being myself, uh, the current being Kennedy, a question that might be on your mind. And this week, Kennedy, we've got a a pretty uh, topical question. Yep, so... Angie from Blacktown, who is one of our uh, regular listeners, has asked, what do you think of the reaction to Kevy Walters' spray? And in highlight of that, in the sheds, actually, after the Broncos uh, lost to Para the other week and then um, went down to Storm the previous week, they've actually leaked 133 points, which isn't the run you're looking for coming into finals. And especially with them, they're currently sitting outside the top eight and there's one more round coming and basically they have to depend on other teams to finish in certain places so they can finish in top eight. And with that, there's been a lot of controversy with, um, I guess, how their coaches reacted to the situation. From from the visual, what we can see, we can't hear any audio, but you can definitely see some emotion, some passion, um, some anger and frustration with this team, which he has every right to. What are your thoughts, Ella? Uh-huh. I was always up for a spray, like if it was warranted. You never look forward to it and you didn't like getting it, but um, you understood why it was happening. Like I always did anyway. I thought if I played poorly or if the team played poorly and the coach was given a spray, there was an opportunity to react um, by bouncing back. That was sort of my approach. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the backlash, I guess, is that it's come out that some players um, have been upset by the by the spray and a few other media personalities have caught a hold of it and uh, sort of hammered the players saying they, they're whinging, they shouldn't be whinging, they should just suck it up and get on with it, um, which is kind of like the approach that I, I would have taken as well. It was like, okay, I've done the wrong thing. I've played bad, so therefore fix it. Coach is angry about it. Yeah, I think as a player, you kind of have to, you know, what you put in is what you get at. So if you're not performing, you're going to, cop something you know you can't just be happy with you know your poor performance that you've put in there are going to be consequences and whether you just have to take that on the chin and just focus on the next job you know you've copped it next job now we move on but I think ah uh, just 
Yeah, I don't think the players have any any base to talk on. Like they're literally sitting outside the eight, and that was a big performance uh, against the Eels. That was disappointing. Well, it's right. Like they've had two weeks, and you mentioned the, the last two weeks, 133 points scored against them, and the coach is obviously disappointed in that effort. So you're bound to be criticised for it. I, I can I can remember a, a couple of coaches giving our team sprays and. I can remember one played against Manly up in Brisbane, so same venue, <laughs> up in Brisbane. Des Hazel was the coach was for the Bulldogs, and he gave us an almighty spray at halftime. For um, we were getting smashed at halftime, and yeah, it was an awkward feeling. It was it was not great to to be yelled at. I guess is, is the word to say. But we, we we improved our performance in the second half, and we took it on the chin and, and just got on with it. Um, Desi's actually sprayed me personally at training once as well. Uh, I, I stuffed up a training and he blasted me in front of like this is in front of the whole team and I felt like I felt like so small but at the same time I was like okay I'll never make that mistake again and I, I actually I I liked it I like getting told what I was doing wrong in a real aggressive manner <laughs> <laughs> yeah see round 19 they were sitting four spot and now they're outside the the eight and out of currently out of finals contention. So I see where the passion's coming from on Kevy's point of view. And personally, yeah, sometimes you do need that kick up the, you know what I mean, backside to get going again, remind you why you're there and not just going through the motions. There is a lot of people that would love to be in your position, so not taking that for granted. But I do think these days people have that argument, you know, there's different types of type of coaching styles. Maybe we need to have better communications. But I say, like, if you're not going to sugarcoat a situation. I think that's um, Kevy's point of view. It's called tough love, right? And yeah. you said about showing passion and emotion, like when he was giving that address to the players, that's where it comes from. A, a, a place, I think it comes from a place of care. You care about your performance, you care about the group, and you want to do well as a group. So, um, yeah, <laughs> Nelly's just uh, thrown up on the screen. Does Dino ever give any uh, sprays? See, Dino and my assistant coach, they work like yin and yang. Dino uh, okay. is Good cop, the kickback. Yeah. So Dino's the kickback, more chilled, will tell you straight. But then when he switches it on, like you're like, okay, sweet. Whereas our assistant coach, he's the bad cop. He's just like, nah, not good enough. We go again, another set. Nah, you're doing that wrong, I'm going to tell you, which I love because we have that balance between good cop, bad cop, but then they can also switch alter ego. That's, that's funny because usually it's the head coach that's the bad cop most of the time and the good cop is like your assistant coach. You get, yeah, come here, it's all right. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll work on this and, you know, tries to get a bat for you. I think Dino's personality though, he's real cool, calm. Yeah, yeah. Like so he's down to earth type of nature so that's Dean yeah. Winters for our listeners the, the Parramatta <laughs> coach he's uh we've had him on the show before he's a, a legend of a bloke yeah Dino's a good bloke but interesting topic to talk about with you know coaching styles and how players react to it but thank you for the question Angie from Blacktown keen to hear from you again now if you've got a question you can send it through to our DMs on Instagram you can try me at Dean Hullitow or at Sarah Nangama for Sarah or send one through to Kennedy Charrington what's your handle at Kennedy Charrington and she can pass it on <laughs> Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. Time for a change of pace as we head over to the islands, and we're very lucky to be joined by Sherison Toko and also Milapata, who are a part of uh, Vanuatu's bronze medal team, uh, volleyball team from the Commonwealth Games that just took place in Birmingham. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Sherison and Mila. Thank you. <laughs> I guess. Uh, if we can, could you give the listeners a background about yourselves, where you're from, and uh, yeah, a little bit of background as you as people. 
All right. Um, yeah. Uh, my name is Mila Pata. Uh, I'm from the, the the different province. So we came from different province, and now we live in uh, Port Vila, is a, a capital city. So we train here in Port Vila uh, to represent Vanuatu. Uh, I'm from uh, the Torba the province, and uh, Tini is from uh, Panama province. So we, we all have a different uh, uh, provinces, and we come together here in Port Vila. And uh, like uh, international player, we train here in Port Vila. Are you guys like full-time, part-time? How, how is it? Uh, training together. How often do you train together? Uh, yes, we've been uh, training like uh, full, like full times. Uh, like Monday, we train in the morning and in the evening. So like the whole week, like Monday to Friday, we train morning and in the evening. So two times a day, like twice a day. Yeah, we've been training together a long time. So that's good. You're full time, um, and I suppose for our listeners, how did you both get involved in volleyball? Was it something that you've been playing since you were both young? Uh, for me, like uh, I started playing uh, indoor volleyball when I'm in school uh, in 2006. I switched to I switched to beach volleyball, so that's I started in uh, 2006 playing uh, beach volleyball. Everybody was studying and. Uh, in the volleyball six aside, so as yeah, like me too. I started as, like I was a little girl, so I started playing um, indoor six aside, and uh, I switched to beach volleyball in 2015. Is it uh, is volleyball a big sport in Vanuatu? Is it is it a lot of people participating? Uh, yes, at the moment we have uh, lots of kids. Uh, we call it after school program on Friday. Uh, they have training um, half past one till half past three. So we have a lot of kids here, like here in start, like they training uh, uh, on Friday. That's good. So are you you both working with those kids as well yourselves and try to pass on some some of your own skills and, and what you've learnt in the game. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how was um representing your your country? How was that feeling? Describe that feeling. Um, you know, winning and you know having that that weight of your shoulders. You know, going to represent and doing your best. How, how did you? Yeah. How how was that? Describe it for me. Um. Yeah, I would say that um, we were very uh, proud and uh, very happy that uh, we represent our country and our family, our community, and our island. So uh, we were very, very happy and very proud that uh, uh, we we take our country to another level and uh, like uh, international. And uh, because we know that Vanuatu was a small country, like a dot, so (laughs) nobody know about Vanuatu. So we were very happy that we can show the world that this is where Vanuatu is. So awesome. What was it like over there at the games? Was it a, a great experience to be to be in Birmingham for those games? Uh, yes, like uh, for me, it's my uh, second uh, Commonwealth game, and uh, I got more lots of experience on the uh, on the tour. Like we did uh, travel around Europe like three months, so we've been uh, 
prepare ourselves for for that uh, for the Commonwealth Games, and uh, I think we had a, a good uh, relationship with other, uh, good communication with other, so we can uh, uh, win some uh, medal for Vanuatu. How is how is touring life? Is it is it quite difficult to be away and on tour and um, preparing for um, a big event? Yes, it was like very difficult because Mila, she has a family, so she has a kid, so we went away like a month, so this is very difficult. So she has to talk with the family every day, so to check that if they're okay. So yes. <laughs> do you guys get paid um as females athletes you know with gender stereotypes it's hard to you know come into you know a, a male dominant sport so do you guys yes uh like uh we uh we are a federation here she look after us yep. and uh they find a sponsor for us to get paid so yeah we're really happy that we have uh, uh, somebody and a sponsor to sponsor our um, teams to like to maintain the, the quality of the game or tournament that uh, we want to get so uh, we have sponsor to like yeah, to yeah. get paid. Yeah, oh, that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> that is good to hear. Now, what, what is uh, on the horizon? What's coming up for you both? Uh, what's the next big event that you're uh, preparing for? Uh, it's at, at the moment, uh, when we come back for the Commonwealth Game, uh, uh, I get a little bit of rest. And uh, <laughs> my partner, she's travel travel again on Sunday to go to Thailand. It's an Asian tour, so she's going going away for with uh, another yeah. another young uh, junior. So good experience for the young junior to like to get us uh, get a step up and uh, maybe one day she can take my place. So. <laughs> <laughs> not too soon, but not too soon. <laughs> Um, last question: Do you guys have any advice for any young females, especially in you know young children coming through the pathways in Vanuatu? How you know any advice for them, young athletes? Uh, yes, uh, I would say that uh, yeah, we would like to encourage the young uh, generation or young youths that um, follow the, follow your dreams. And uh, we encourage you that we encourage the young athletes that um, even though they don't finish like they finish halfway through or halfway, like not completing their education or they are being in uh, any sports, we would like to encourage them that they have to continue and um, follow their dreams. Yeah. What goals they're setting, they set, they set their goals, they have to follow what they in M4, um, we would say that education is the same as the sport. You can travel anywhere in the world you want. Yeah. That's really good advice. Well, Sherison and Amela, thank you very much for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? Sherison, good luck in Thailand uh, when you head over there. And uh, yeah, good luck for both your careers in the future. Good luck. Thank, thank you. you. Can you be more Pacific? 
Keeping it social. All right. We'll start with the Queen of Socials. Kennedy, what have you come up with this Hello. week? Hello. Hello, I'm here. I was actually really organised this week. I was actually onto my socials before Hala. So I picked something from the Parrot Eels socials. Obviously, I'm a bit biased with my club. I love my club and what we do for the community. And our captain, the men's captain, I mean, uh, Junibalo, come up to make the effort to one of the fans uh, that obviously couldn't make it down to the front of the fence, obviously, because he was in a wheelchair. So... I think just showing the fans that, you know, he's willing to make time for them. And it was just such a, it was quite emotional because, you know, you've seen how exciting, how, how excited the fan was for, you know, the captain of the Paramount Eels. And after a great win, uh, I just think it was very special for the club. Big smile. Yeah, big smile. I don't know, just the music tops it off too. It sets a scene. It's very emotional, but love what uh, Junior represents and does for our club. He's a so good, inspiring. He's a good leader, isn't he, Junior? Like I, from what I've been told, I don't really know him, but just uh, a, a good leader of men. Um, everyone respects him, and he plays. You know, he plays with everything every week. So big fan of him, even more so now. Yeah, hundred percent. What about you this week? Well, staying, staying in rugby league, I've uh, gone down to the nation's capital, and we we spoke to Chance Nickel Cookstar earlier in the in the show, and uh, it was his last home game down in Canberra, and he was farewelled by his teammates uh, in uh, traditional Maori style with the haka, and it was really nice to see. Jarita! Jarita! Do you get chills when you hear that? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. You know, people say that the haka is in these days used too much, but if you know the meaning behind it and the passion and everything that I guess our culture is, then it's special. And, you know, we were lucky enough to we got to speak to him earlier. So um, just, yeah, so important because he's offered so much to the club. And like he said, it's not a chapter that's ending. He's just happy that it's happened. Yeah, and nice respect shown there by his teammates as he, uh, as he leaves the club. Good luck, Chance. In the rut. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? This week, the tough headlines in the ruck. We'll start with an, a, a good one, a couple of good ones, actually. So the AFLW um, kicked off on the weekend, as we spoke about. Essendon and Hawthorne was a big match and a big moment for a, a young umpire. 16-year-old Emma Stark has become the youngest person to uh, chuck on the referees, or sorry, I should say the umpires, because it's AFL, the umpires kit and um, umpired the, the AFLW, which is uh, a huge achievement for such a young person. Yeah, the AFLW, we know, have been the pioneers of the women's uh, not just AFLW, but sport in general, they're, they're leading the forefront and they're becoming this game changer and trendsetter where they're going, nope, we're going to do these things first, you know, bringing in the full-time athletes, minimum wage, 18-team comp, and now the youngest female to umpire a game, which is so inspiring. Like, to be able to be 16, I don't even know what I was doing at 16. I think I was in high school, but, you know, I wasn't thinking about refing or umpiring elite athlete games and having that, you know, 
control and assertiveness, respect from the players. That's so cool. Yeah, that's that's like a um, maturity beyond her years there to be able to do that. And she's from Darwin, so she had to go down to Melbourne for the game. Um, but but also that in itself, to, to be going through the pathways in Darwin, which is a long way from, I guess, the the centre of the AFL world down in Victoria, uh, to head down there. She actually went down with her and, and umpired alongside her mentor, John John Howarth. Um, is something that uh, she would be very proud of. And she's actually picked up an award last year as Northern Territory's Junior Sports Person of the Year. Uh, sorry, this year, I should say. Um, so she's collecting accolades. She's umpired at the highest level. Uh, well done, Emma. We're very happy for you. Now, following on from that, uh, more refereeing um, news. And in the NRLW, uh, a huge story uh, with Rochelle Tamarua. She uh, got to referee her first NRLW game. Yeah, it's so cool. It just goes to show the pathways in female sport, not only as a player, but as an official. Um, and Crystal and Rochelle are, are very tight. Rugby league is in their blood, so it just seems appropriate that, you know, one one sister is a ref and then the other's a player, so which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. And uh, to, for the, both of them, it's the first time ever that uh, two sisters have uh, played in the same sport that the other one's refereeing in the same weekend. So that's a, a good milestone for them both. Obviously, Rochelle won't get any of Crystal's games as a referee. That would be a bit of a conflict, but um, by reports, she performed pretty good. That's good. I can't wait to have her referee my game, hopefully, in the next few weeks. <laughs> now, a little bit of uh, difficult news, I guess, in uh, over to soccer, the round ball code, and uh, the PNG Football Association, they've decided uh, not to renew their women's head coach, Nicola Demain's contract, which is... Uh, Disappointing because she's had some some success recently. We actually, uh, Peter Pasol, our man on the ground in PNG, spoke to Nicola earlier in the year. Um, but it, disappointing that she's not been renewed after having some success. Yeah, I say if it's working and you're getting success out of it, then why change it? Um, she sounds like she's a well-respected coach. So whether there's you know some background noise that we don't know about, which is usually the case with some media um, controversy. But yeah, hopefully they can, I don't know, overturn it and... You know, she is getting pay out of her team's performance, so why wouldn't she stick to it and put that funding elsewhere? I don't know. Thoughts? Yeah, well, they, they're saying that they're after a more experienced coach, but the fact that she's just won, it's the Oceania Football Confederation Women's Nations Cup, uh, which is... A pretty big deal. Yeah, like if, if she's taken them to that tournament and got the victory, then don't know what other experience you need. Like you've got a, a run on the board there. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's... Um, it's disappointing for Nicola, but um, obviously the Federation is looking to go in a different direction. But even as a player, like you've had this coach has been through everything with you, trying to transition to a new coach is difficult because not all coaches coach the same. Like we spoke before with coaching styles, but how do you adjust as a player is just as hard. Uh, that's just my opinion anyways. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Like if you if you built relationships and you've um, adapted the style of the coach that you're with and you've had success, then having to change it again will be uh, will be quite difficult. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? That's all we have time for. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been good to be back. Hopefully I can get a few shows while Sarah's doing Sarah Tings. But um, if you missed the show or want to listen to The Magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time. Or you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want more sport, you can check out That Pacific Sports Show on Wednesday night or catch up on ABC Australia iView. It's all here. Kakitano. Bye. Can you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.